Let us pray one more time together. Loving God, God of liberation and grace, God of healing and assurance, we ask that the words of our mouths and the meditations of all our hearts may be acceptable in your sight and that you may sing your song through us. Amen. Many of us may remember that at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, there is a passage in which Jesus prepares his followers for what's going to happen after he leaves them. And he tells them a story about sheep and goats and about what it means to serve God. And he says, whenever I was hungry and you gave me food, whenever I was thirsty and you gave me drink, and whenever I was sick and you visited me, whenever I was in prison and you visited me, you did this unto the least of these, my sisters and brothers. The disciples were confused, and they said, When did we see you like that? And he said, It's when you did it for the least among you that you did it for me. That has become an ethical imperative in our faith of what we're to do, how we're to live out and act our faith, feeding people who are hungry, giving drink to people who are thirsty, helping the sick, those who have no clothing, who are naked, and also visiting people in jail. Some of us have had the privilege of doing all those things, but few of us have actually been in a jail. Some of us here I know have, some of us may have even served time. When you go into a jail, it is a disorienting experience by design. You check everything and leave it in your car or outside the door. You're only able to go in with your clothing and your ID. No phone and only the keys to your car. In some places, it's even more strict about what you wear and you have to put things away in a locker. locker. You go through the metal detector. You spill out a paper. And then you wait your turn. Sometimes the prisoner doesn't know you're going to come, and so they are told on the spur of the moment that you'll be there. In one particular prison I visited recently, you get stamped on your hand with an infrared sign, which you have to hold up to a special light to be sure that you have been approved to go in the prison. And then you go through a multiple set of doors that shut behind you louder than most doors you know. And then you go in, and sometimes there's a barrier between you and the prisoner, just like you see in the television shows in which you have to talk on a phone. But contact is limited. Everything is controlled. You have lost a sense of personage, and you only have a small sense of what it's like for the person who is behind bars. Now, as we know in this country, over the past 30 years, the number of people in our prisons has increased about fivefold. And this is a problem that our justice team has been working on. I imagine for Paul and Silas, the prison conditions were much worse. I imagine that they were full of open latrines and vermin and insects and harsh treatment and beatings regularly. And so what did they do? In that environment, being isolated and disoriented, they leaned on something they knew deep inside themselves a song, to take them out of the experience, to deepen them in something inside them, a song that they knew of their faith. Just like the slaves in cotton fields sang songs to help them with their sense of liberation, of soulful liberation, just like freedom marchers have done for centuries, a song to set them free. 
So when we heard this passage and began thinking about it, we realized that we had someone in our midst, Trey Pratt, who has been working wonderfully with our carolers and our choir, who has an experience of taking song behind bars as a liberating sign of hope and as a practice. And we asked him to come and share that with us. Because all of us, whether we've been behind bars or not, have a sense of what it means to be imprisoned and what it means to be liberated. So Trey, could you tell us a little bit about your work? Yeah, so um, as some of you, especially the choir, might know, um, I've worked for the past two years as a P.D. Green teaching fellow um, through Boston University's prison education program. So I go in um, every week in every week and um, help teach a music course, which is actually credit-bearing and um, gets these guys on the way to an undergraduate degree. Um, <clears throat> it's a male prison south of Boston. Often when people ask about my work, they're focused on the scariness of the people I teach. Yeah, thank you, there you go. Um, uh, when people hear about my work, they often ask me about the quote-unquote scariness of the people I teach um, and ask questions like, aren't you afraid of going in? And do you know what crimes they've committed? Perhaps not surprisingly to this congregation, uh, my experience with the students is quite the opposite. While singing together in the confines of the oppressive prison system, some students remark on the safe haven created through song. Some testify to a certain freedom incited by the act of communal song. <clears throat> These steps toward freedom are in stark contrast to their circumstances. Trapped without control of their bodies, subject to brutality, the system oppresses everyone entangled in its grasp, correctional officers included. My experience inside begs the question, do we, on the outside, have our own trappings? Can music free us from those as well? Over the next few minutes, I want to ask you to take the risk of participation <laughs> in a place we know to judge so little. I'd like to ask Kent to read the story for us one more time, the Silas story. <clears throat> this time, I'd like to invite all of you to follow along in your order of worship and circle phrases, words and phrases that really stand out to you, that really mean something to you. You'll find the scripture on the last page of your order of worship. Let us hear it anew. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake which shook the prison to its foundations. At once, all the doors opened and the chains fell off all the prisoners. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he thought that the prisoners had escaped. So he pulled out his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul shouted at the top of his voice, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for a light, rushed in, and fell trembling at the feet of Paul and Silas. Then he led them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They answered, 
Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your family. And then they preach the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. At that very hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And he and all his family were baptized at once. Then he took Paul and Silas up into his house and gave them some food to eat. He and his family were filled with joy because they now believed in God. For the good news of the Holy Spirit, thanks be to God. Wonderful. So I'm going to ask you, as I walked down the aisle, what are some words or phrases that stood out to you? What's something that stood out to you? He and his family were filled with joy. We are all here. Singing hymns to God. Because they now believed in God. Wonderful. Washed their wounds. That was mine too. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. How about one more? Don't harm yourself. We are all here. Chains fell off. Yeah, I see some heads nodding. Wonderful, you guys. You can see um, how all of these things that we each think, we each notice, come together to create an entire story, right? Everybody's individual thoughts come together to create a whole story. We're going to use these words in prayers of our own to engage in a communal prayer. And we're, it's going to be a musical prayer using the familiar Teze chant, Veni Sancte Spiritus, which means come, Holy Spirit. Improvisation is at the root of the work I do in prison. Prayer, and even preaching, can be an improvised act. For this prayer, everything is musical. Speech, body rhythm, humming. There are a million ways to participate. During this extended prayer, we are going to build the familiar refrain, which will keep sounding the entire time. Listen to those around you or just follow me. During this collective sermon, you can sing your circled phrases, tap your foot, shout or declaim your text, really anything. I also invite you to think about praying your way out of whatever prisons you have around you. What do you need to pray to work your way through? Take the chance to pray it out. So choir, why don't you go ahead and stand on the sides? Bases in the choir, why don't you show the first little thing? Sancte Spiritus. One more time. 
Low-voiced males in the congregation, you can join in. Sancte Spiritu, veni Sancte Spiritus. Altos in the choir. Veni Sancte Spiritus. Low-voiced women. Veni Sancte Spiritus. Good. Veni Sancte Spiritus. Sopranos. Sancte Spiritus, high-voiced women. Veni Sancte Spiritus, good. Veni Sancte Spiritus, tenors. Veni Sancte Spiritus, tenor identified. Veni Sancte Spiritus, good. Veni Sancte Spiritus. Come, Holy Spirit, from heaven shine forth with your glorious light. Helen, why don't you sing that for us? Savior of the poor, come generous spirit, come light of our hearts. Jim, how about you? From the four winds, O Spirit, come, breath of God, disperse the shadows over us, renew and strengthen your people. Kylie? Intonation going. At your leisure, take a chance to whisper the phrase you circled. Whisper the words.
ahead and speak them a little louder. Speak them a little louder. Wash We are all here. Go ahead and speak them loudly. Wash our wounds. We are all here. Believe in Jesus Christ. And you can even start to sing them. on any pitches. Whisper that once. They were praying and singing hymns to God, and the doors were open, and the chains fell off. people say, Amen. Amen.